Welcome to season three. Welcome to season three of this most unbelievable podcast. We're doing it, Paul. We're doing it, Sherry, and here we are again. Here we are again. So when we started season one, we had no plan. We just explored topics as they came up. And for season two, we made a plan. How do experiences go through the mind, the body, and the heart? Now we go into season three. Do we have a plan? Well, a couple of topics keep coming up. Yeah, so what reoccurring theme do you see, Paul? I see the topic of connection coming up a lot. What do you see, Sherry? Definitely connection, and also persistence. Uh, Connection and persistence. These are pretty big themes, Paul. These are pretty big themes, Sherry, and we'll do our best to cover them well here in Season 3. And we thank you, dear listeners, for joining us as we explore these topics. If you like what you hear and you want to support us, please visit the website and click on the donate button to support us on Patreon. You can also check out our website where you can learn more about the workshops and events we have coming up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now on with the show. I am going to say something we rarely say on this podcast. Sherry, are you ready? I guess so, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Indeed, we never do because we don't typically record in the morning. We typically don't. And so today marks a different time that we are recording this podcast. So it'll be interesting. Indeed. Yeah. So this is what we sound like in the morning, y'all. Yeah. Uh, You might realize or think that it sounds a lot like us in the afternoon as well. Uh, that may be true. I don't know if it feels different or not, though. I don't know. Um, we have no evidence of what we sound like in the morning, so who knows? Yeah, so who knows? But, um, uh, I mean, things I've noticed already is the the sun comes in the window differently in the morning. It, so I'm like, Sherry, is your camera? What's going on? It's like, ah, it's the sun coming in the window from a different angle. Interesting. I liked the hypothesis that you originally had that it was just my halo, but sure, yeah. sure, we'll go with the sun business. You're radiant aura yes that's what it is thank you for finally noticing yeah (laughs) that's funny yeah so uh we're able to do this in the morning this time um schedules are opening up a little bit as our our schedules open up a little bit and uh into the semester have a little more time on our hands um or at least we have a little more uh decision-making ability with when we record things for the next month or so. It's true. Yep. Um, uh, so yeah, because normally around this how, time, how I would be just logging off from a dear class of mine that I no longer get to see. Yeah, I'm thinking, he's like, what day is it anyway? What is it, Wednesday? Yeah. So what would I, yeah, I would be doing that as well. Uh, yeah, um, I so just wrapped one up. this is kind of a special episode, right? We're, we are marking the end of our fall semesters in our day job. We are also marking episode 42 of this podcast, which is a special number, at least. You said that earlier. Yeah. Well, you know why. What would you offer on why that is such a special number, Sherry? I think you know why it's a special number, Paul. I can only think of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Douglas Adams, right? Yeah. Answer to life, the universe, and everything. Oh, boy. So in this episode, possibly we might uncover everything. the question. The question to that answer. Yeah. Because, well, because ultimately that's, 
um, that that that's what that was uh, about. So spoiler alert, right? Uh, don't listen for the next five seconds or whatever if you don't want to hear this. Forty two is the answer. So mm-hmm. uh, how does the story go, Sherry? So we built a big computer called it Earth, um, or somebody did, and uh, it was built to come up with the answer to what was the question? What was it? Uh, life, the universe, and everything. I don't think they're in that order. What was it? Life. Eh, maybe they are in that order, but yeah, yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. What's the answer? And it was 42. The answer is 42. Mm-hmm. And so questions emerge from that. Yeah. Um. Um, yeah. And so I always like that reference what? because yeah. if somebody asks me a question that I don't want to answer or I don't know the answer to, um, throughout my life, I have always, when in panic, I have always resorted to two answers that can come through no matter what the question. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those answers is 42. Makes sense. And the other answer is Jesus. Mm. Uh, at least that tend to work okay in Sunday school. Like if somebody asked me a yeah. question, I didn't know the answer. Uh, I was able to bet on Jesus might be a good answer. There's a couple of... Uh... In, in biology classes, there's a couple of answers. It's like when on when 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 all if you're doubt when in doubt, like write either natural selection or independent assortment or something like that, mm-hmm. or emergent properties, and you know have about a fifty fifty chance of giving at least some credit on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when in doubt, the answer is rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think there's something else special about the fact that this is uh, that this is episode forty two, or maybe not that it's episode 42, but there's something else special about this episode. Go on. It is the last episode in the fall season, which means... That's true. It is the last episode of season three. Three, yeah. So the next time you will hear us shall be the first episode of season four. Mm -hmm. Wintertime, Sherry and Paul. We'll see how that one goes, mm-hmm. right? So um, the days are almost as short as they are going to get, and soon they will start getting longer again, and may it be so. Yeah. And we will begin that process of um, hunkering down for the winter and getting ready to start again in the spring. Not to put the cart before the horse, but um, it's something that's going to start happening yeah. before we know it. Yeah. I hope next episode... Uh, which we will release on the solstice. I hope we get to talk a little bit about plan, what makes yeah. winter solstice magical. But that's, that's not today. That's not today. So what I'm feeling, what's going through me, is uh, I have a, a question that I wrote down. I'm not going to come right out with it because already I think we've started to kind of poke at it a little I bit. I think you should just ask it. Me. Is this? Well, the question is, uh, Dr. Spiegel, so who do you think you are? Oh, yeah. Um, and so you know about that. You know what's funny about that is um, neither of my designed answers work well here. Like I am not going to answer that question with Jesus. Jesus or forty two. I am. Right? Ne- um, I am neither of those things. So <laughs> give it a few years. Give it a few years. Um, yeah, because I'm thinking about it. it's the end of the of the semester. Uh, if you don't know, we both teach at a local community college. Um, we've met with students throughout this semester. We've met with people throughout this semester. We've learned some things, some things that we tried worked, some things that we tried might not have worked as well. Mm-hmm. New lessons. Um, how does 
how does our experiences through our day sort of change us? How do we take it forward to the next day or week or month or whatever? Mm-hmm. And um, how does the answer to that question of who do you think you are? How does that? How does that change? And I know there is a uh, like a documentary series called that, right, where Sorry. they look at people's ancestry, um, mm. like, and they come up from a very um, genealogical perspective. And um, I have some thoughts on on how I might answer who do you think you are, but I'm more interested in thinking about um, what that question means. Mm means to folks you know so it's like when the question is asked what's the first thing that comes to mind and and why is it what you do is it what you're interested in is it uh physiological characteristics biological reality what is it well and there are lots of (coughs) excuse me there's lots of implications for how you answer that question um so i'm reading a book now called badass habits um and one of the things that she talks about in the beginning of this book is um, the fact that when you're thinking about habit building, who you think you are is just as important as what you do. Because um, if you tell yourself that you're someone with bad habits, then you're going to be, right? So how mm-hmm. you answer the question really shapes how you walk the earth, right? Like who you believe you are will manifest in how you choose to live your life. Is this a little bit of a chicken and egg situation, right? What comes first, the question, or is does the answer emerge from experiences that you've had, some of which positive and some of which negative, right? To that, I will say 42. Uh, okay. I just, <laughs> Jesus? Well, I mean, yeah, I think it is a chicken and egg thing. Um, I think we can get really wrapped up in where identity comes from. Um so I, you know, ah, oh, so much I want to say about this. Oh my goodness, Paul. Um, Thank you. So I think that there's a way in which it's difficult to tease out this idea of who you are, like your your essential essence that you think um, makes you you, right? Um, like I've asked you before whether you think you've changed, and you'll say that you basically think that you're the the same person, right? Like all through the times of Paul. Mm -hmm. And yet there's parts of you that have definitely changed. Like I've watched that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so somehow these two things are true. The fact that there is an essence that is us and yet we are also always changing. So within that worldview that that's true, is somehow built within that who we actually believe ourselves to be, which kind of works independently from those two things or can. Um, So I think identity is constructed in a really complicated way. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, um, if I think that some particular belief about myself is part of my essential essence uh, then that might limit who I can be in the world. But it doesn't mean that that thing is actually part of my essential essence. Right. Tricky. Right, yeah. So how much of these things are true and some, and how much are these things you decide are true? Yeah. Despite the fact that they might not, but they, that they might not be. And I look forward to the experiences of a 
season or a day or a semester um, as a way to test mm-hmm. these hypotheses on on who I think I am. And some of them come in easy and some of them come in hard. Sometimes um, one of the sticky points for me is that people will tell me things like, uh, and I, I thought of this a little bit. This what so like what is the origin story of this question? Uh, as often happens during the course of a semester, we we have these times that we spend together with these individuals, with students on Zoom, or with people that we meet with outside or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when the when the term or the objective or the assignment or the uh, whatever it is, the thing you're working on comes to a conclusion. Statements are offered uh, of thanks. That was really helpful. Good job. You know, you were great. You know, I'm looking forward to doing something again in the future, this kind of stuff. And when that comes in, sometimes uh, like praise or um, extolences of thanks or something like that, uh, it can be not always easy. We've talked about this a little bit before. Not always easy to find out how those fit into one's own self-image of who one thinks one is. Mm-hmm. And I could I could give the, you know, the simple answer of I'm a, I'm a simple man making his way through this life uh, is who I think I am. There's a little bit more to it than that, though. And I think that's one of the be... finest lies Paul likes to tell himself. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Most most parts of it are not true. Uh, like, you, I could take issue with almost every word. Well, um, except... Except, like, I like to make fun of you for that, except the the more I get to know you, the more I know it's also true. Yeah, right, right. Um, and so many things kind of plug into this. It's, you know, when, when, when we, we give people assignments and we hear back from them or we work together with somebody towards an end for a business thing or with a project that we're working on, statements are oftentimes made at the end that indicate that it was more meaningful than intended for one person or another. And it's like, that's not what I was trying to do. And it's like, wow, this was great. Thanks. Uh, oh man, you were the best professor, whatever. Okay. Uh, that's not what I was, was intending, but it, it's certainly what happens and you get them too, Sherry. Um, and uh, so it's it's curious on how one's self-image kind of goes into this, because mm-hmm. oftentimes we hear these things that challenge who you think you are a, a little bit in our notions of, of who we are. And it's it's easy, it seems, for us to adjust that downward. Mm-hmm. It's challenging more so for most people to adjust that upward. It's really easy to think of yourself as... Uh, something less. It's not always easy to think of ourselves as something more. So what's interesting to me in listening to you talk about this is the selective use of passive voice. I'm going to English. Oh, extraordinarily look, selective. <laughs> look at me, English teacher you. Um, Yeah, so it's very interesting how as you try to distance yourself from this very personal problem, you use the passive voice as one does <laughs> when one <laughs> you know is confronted with you know right like i feel s- like statements this counter is, to this one's is like the equivalent of, of like asking a question that starts with well my friend is experiencing this issue yeah yeah my friend has been getting a lot of compliments at the end of his semester that tell him that he's a great teacher and my friend doesn't feel like that fits into his identity 
What do you suppose my friend should do? Yeah, yeah. What what would your friend tell my friend? Yeah. Um, like um what would Yeah, so Paul, what would what would you tell my friend who was in this situation? Uh I don't know. I mean, I've Yeah, I sort of don't know. Um <laughs> That's why you're ex- asking except, me. Except yeah, ex- except what's given, offered, mm-hmm. right? Um who who are you to not you know, who are you to reject, you know, positivity when it comes your way? Um, on what basis would you do so? And what's the worst that could happen if you did? Right. Well, I mean, so this is an interesting problem. And it's it's one that um, believing that you're good at what you do is, is a hard thing to wrestle with. Um, I know when I was an undergraduate... Um, I spent a lot of time talking to one of my mentors about the dangers of becoming a really arrogant person. Mm-hmm. I was just constantly obsessed with like, like I just really didn't want to become arrogant. And so because I was so obsessed with not being arrogant, I basically kicked the shit out of myself constantly Yeah, because I was afraid of being arrogant. But what I've realized is like there's a huge gulf between being a totally arrogant, obnoxious human being and being the scum of the earth that I have to constantly punish. Right? Like there's a huge gulf. There's stuff in between. Yeah, there's stuff in between. Yeah. So um, I think part of what has to happen, um, and I experience this too, like when students, um, you know, tell me... um, Thanks for a great semester. You were my favorite teacher. Um, My response to that is not the way that I would like to respond to it. Uh Um, I'm not sure what I want the response to be, except I know that I don't love my response. Because my response is um, really negative towards them, actually. So when someone tells me that it's their favorite class, my instinct is to think... Well, I bet you tell that to all your teachers. Yeah, what do you know? Because this is just a rhetorical move to get me soft and buttery for when I submit the grades. Which, that line of thinking can work for a little while. Um, The place where it gets really tricky is when I have students, some who still listen to this lovely podcast. um, I have students who offer that kind of thing after the grades are in, after there's nothing in the world that I'm doing for them anymore, right, right, um, right. then I have to accept the fact, what does the world look like if I accept that I am good at what I do? What does the world look like if I accept the fact that I do make a difference? Mm-hmm. What do I have to change about who I think I am if I just allow that I'm not the worst at what I do. Yeah. So there's two possibilities. Either the person who's offering that doesn't know what they're talking about, or they do, uh, and we feel a little bit of resistance mm-hmm. when positivity comes in because mm. it, it might challenge some notion of who we think we are mm-hmm. and all the stuff that gets packed around that, what we deserve, how we expect to be treated, mm-hmm. um, what we think we offer, yeah. And the impossibility of anything anything more than that. Yeah. What do you think, you know, 
what do you think my hypothetical friend like <laughs> okay paul what are you telling yourself when students tell you thanks like what how does that bump up against who you believe uh, you are I, I have a stock answer. I have a stock answer to that. Oh, good. You know that I've that I've given for for years, mm -hmm. and I, it it's it's equal measures, uh, deflection and hope. Okay, is is what it is. It's equal parts. You know, and and what what my offering oftentimes has been is, um, I I, I just did what anyone would do. It's what anyone would do. And it's it's deflection because it, it sort of spreads it out over I I didn't do actually anything special here you know I did what it literally anyone would do, um, and it's it's also a little bit of hope that I, I really do hope that it is what anyone else would do whether or not that's true or not I don't know but it's like I I felt like I did what I could at the time and the best that I could and hopefully other people sort of do the same. And so it's it's a little bit of a dodge coupled with a little bit of I, I, I do actually hope that what I said is true and that if I did something that was positive or accepted positively or that made a positive impact um, or did some good, I hope that that was something that others would have done as well and not just me. Because if it is just me, it's like, uh, then we do live in a dark and bleak universe, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> and there's no hope for it. It's like if, if the only one who would have done that, then we live in a in a dicey place indeed um so that's and i've i've my my own personal training on that has been what if i didn't like jump directly to that and actually took some time with what is offered mm -hmm. when people say kind things or if someone says something kind or or that something i did was helpful um what if I what if I just kind of hung out with that and you know I hit that a little bit like with with the gift giving when somebody gives me gifts it's like ouch that hurts that's not supposed to feel that way mm -hmm. um, and sort of reframing what that uh, what that sensation is. Well, I think it's kind of interesting to think about this in relationship to something you and I talk about sometimes called the second arrow. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we talk about when unpleasant things happen, that's the first arrow, and then we beat ourselves up with a second arrow, right? Like the second arrow yeah. comes from ourselves. But we always talk about this as something that the second arrows only fire after pain. You've mm. messed something up. So now I'm going to add happened. it. Yeah, right? or, or something happened. Yeah. yeah. So what if we realized that sometimes we fire second arrows when good stuff happens? Um. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right right after I said, because you know, just something happens, that's why the first arrow comes in or or because nothing happens and the first arrow still comes in. You know, you know, this is what the Buddha said, you know, um, part one, right? Statement one of the, you know, of the, of the four truths, the four noble truths here is that life is, you know, it often gets kind of pitched to suffering. It's not it's not necessarily true. It's like this unsatisfactoriness to it. There's like this meh kind of kind of aspect to it. Um, you get both, right? Things that are easy happen and things that are challenging happen. And and that is essentially that first arrow. And that doesn't mean that you're doing something right. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. It means you're alive. You're human on this earth. And um, the first arrow is going to hit and it's not comfortable. And... Um, then the second arrow comes in where a lot it, it, it kind of boils down to self-judgment and reflection at that point, specifically related to who do you think you are. Mm -hmm. And um, spinning that 
sensation of the first arrow into a, a personal narrative that confirms or denies something about yourself, usually not in a positive way, mm-hmm. that adds uh, more discomfort to the whatever discomfort that might already be. Yeah. But it can it can add negative spin to, to joy when it happens as well, mm-hmm. you know. And and this is, you know, somebody offers kind words to you, and uh, rather than accept them, you deflect them because we don't want to get used to that because they're just going to break your heart in the end. Because that's who. Because you know, there's no, there's nothing lovable about you. So why would you accept positivity? It's like you actually took something good that somebody was offering, you know, and spun it into 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 some suffering for your for yourself and. Right. I, I do use the active word you in this, you know, because it's it's not the second arrow doesn't come from mystical beings living on clouds somewhere or from, you know, some transient transcendental object or individual that has decision making ability. You fire that arrow yourself, mm-hmm. um, which means you can do things to not fire that arrow, too. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think um, a lot of times when I think about the arrows, I only really spend time ne- thinking about how they come in when something negative happens yeah um but i do think that um personally i'm very susceptible to the arrows when the good things happen yeah yeah and that's the other side of it because it's like when something painful happens of course we second oh i'm so clumsy why did i sprain my ankle uh right well it's like when you when you say um someone gave me a gift ouch why does it hurt uh, it's your yeah. own arrow, buddy. Yeah, it's my own damn arrow. Um, <laughs> and then there's the third arrow, which is God. Why do I keep doing the second arrow? Thing? You know. And then there's the fourth arrow. You know. So it's like it's arrows all the way down. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we 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 don't do much about those. I mean, we can solve all the arrows if we just take care of the second one because there's nothing you can do about the first. Yeah. Except except that there is arrow, there are arrows. Um. Except there are arrows. I mean, it's no. I don't think it's an accident that um, Cupid fires arrows into people's hearts on Valentine's Day because love is suffering, right, Sherry? It's <laughs> talk about fertile ground mm. to grow bows and arrows, right? Uh, that's a that's a tricky one. All kinds of it. Oh yeah. Um, podcast. We'll we'll save that one for the Valentine's Day yeah. uh, episode. That'll be a cheery one. <laughs> Love hurts, this most y'all. Bleak, Welcome yeah, to this home. this most depressing life, this most depressing, unbelievably painful, <laughs> this suffering unbelievably and... <laughs> depressing life. Yeah. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, but I mean, ouch. I, you know, the arrows. I think that the arrow metaphor is so useful um, because the more you pay attention to it, the more, the more you can see it, it happening, yeah. right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I think in general, one of the things that I'm always uh, kind of obsessed with is the idea of balance. Um, And so some of what I do with taking the joy out of my own joyful experiences is the story I tell myself is that I'm seeking balance, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be arrogant, so I need to, I need to turn down the volume on anything good in my life. Um, and um, it's kind of crazy making, but it's also something that I do. Um, and I can at least watch myself do it. Um, right. But it's hard. I mean, there's a whole lot of things. Um, when people tell me negative things about myself, I fully believe them. 
fully yeah. believe them right. when people and and I don't try to resistance. Like, nope, yeah, like um you want to tell me how much I suck? I am happy to like Yeah, happy to listen. I will yeah. sit down and uh Let me grab a chair and a cup of tea while you tell yeah, me. Yeah, in fact, I've got a few things you might have you might have missed that I'd like to add. Right? Like yeah. um like that I'm perfectly comfortable with. Um uh, but if somebody wants to sit down and tell me uh what's good about me um i do not enjoy that um and i tend to pretty much uh i i disassociate when it happens like it i i can't hear it um yeah that's what it feels like you know it feels like okay i'm gonna like mentally check out for a couple of seconds until this is over mm -hmm. and then i'll be back yeah yeah yeah, and you can, you know, if you pay attention to people when you compliment them, uh, you can watch them do it. Yeah. You know, and you can watch them deflect it and you can watch them say, oh, it's what anyone would do, um, even though everyone knows it's not. Um, or, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, even I'll walk out of the bedroom and my husband will say something like, oh, you look so cute. And I'll be like, why? Why? What did I do? Um, yeah. Like, oh, why would you tell me that? I don't know how to receive this. <laughs> um, there's a great joke of my grandparents where uh, my grandmother, I guess, walks out of the room and my grandfather is like, oh, Lucille, you were look amazing. And Lucille, my grandmother, says, well, it was the only thing I had to wear. Um, that tendency is like baked right. into me. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The only reason that uh, I look this way is because I had no choice, right? It certainly wasn't something that I could do, you know, yeah. or, or would on the on the daily. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I mean, both it. giving and receiving compliments is difficult, right? Like, what is it about it? Why does it hurt us to hear who we are or to even tell e each other? Ooh, I mean, I got I to gotta check down on that. I mean, I would... Um, if, if given the choice, hey, Paul, would you like to give compliments or would you like to receive them? It's like, I'll go with give them every time, every time. Uh, receiving is hard. Um, it can be. And it's, it's like, why? I don't know why that is. Because it's like giving compliments. It's like, oh, that's no. Is it though? I have no problem. Like we that. literally got on Zoom the other day and you said to me, what are you all gussied up for? Like, oh my God, Paul, for? please stop with the compliments. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> Must be laundry day over there at the Spiegel household, right? That's the only thing she has to wear. Yeah, but we used to we used to do that. I mean, when somebody would show up, looking you know looking decked out or looking like they they put some effort into it, it's like yeah, it must be laundry day, huh? Because it's the only thing you have left. Yeah, the t-shirt and jeans are all in the basket, ready to get washed. That's so funny. But it's it's hard to just offer like it's hard to both give and receive like kindness sometimes i think like we want to do kindness but it's hard yeah and, and it's hard for for a couple of reasons it's hard for us to negotiate through our own sense of of kindness and what what we see and what we value and what we um note uh, in in others because you don't want that to be offered flippantly or callously i mean if you're going to offer kindness you want to do it authentically mm -hmm. um for lack of a better word i think um and it, knowing that it does make folks a little bit uncomfortable sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, that's not the objective either. So, um, 
there's this curious thing around it. You know, it's like, what is the, it, it sounds bad to say, it's like, what is the objective here when, when kindness is offered? Because it, it seems in many ways to be so central to the whole objective of what it means to be part of a community and what it means to be with others, offer kindness whenever you can, hold doors for people. Absolutely. You know, um, when somebody is, is doing something awesome, hey, I think what you're doing is awesome. Great job. Um, when people are suffering and they're in mental, physical anguish, whatever it might be, offering kind words of support, whatever that might look like, seems like the thing to do to me. Why would you not do that? Why would anyone not do that? And um, we, we've heard time and time again from folks, a student and, and otherwise, um, that it, it's not really sure why that helps, but it does. But it does. You don't need people to fix our, our problems for us. Um, but it somehow helps to walk through them with with somebody who knows, who is understands, who is able to be with it as well. Mm-hmm. It's curious. And we've talked about that before. It's like, I'm not sure what that does. Why, why does that work? And what does it mean? To, what, does, what does work mean? What does, it, what does it mean when you say it? Why does that work? Right. What's the that? What's the that? Um, and what's the work? What's the work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think this is getting to, like, we started with, who do you think you are? And we're moving towards, like, well, what the hell are we doing here anyway? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. What, what is, so I have a question, Sherry. So, so by the end of this podcast, we might end up at 42. We might. We may. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we might end up with 42. Well, because, like, part of what I'm now starting to like <laughs> circle the drain with uh in my head is like well what what's happening with kindness anyway right like what is kindness like what are we doing when we're being kind and why are we being kind is kindness a a giving activity or is it a receiving activity I was hoping that was not a question for me. I have a softball question for you, Paul. What is kindness, right? <laughs> well, this this kind of ties into almost like forgiveness practice. Like when you forgive someone, who is it for, mm-hmm. right? Is it for the transgressor or is it for the transgressed? And uh, podcast for another day. Yeah. But um, kindness does sort of work the same way. And and there's, there's an air of selfishness that can sort of uh, come into it a little bit, although I don't, I don't ascribe to it, but it gets talked about once in a while. Um, why do you do kind things? It's like, well, because it feels good. It feels good, um, to do kind, kind things for others. And, um, I like the feeling, physical feeling that comes within me when I do acts of kindness towards others. So am I, is that selfish? Does it mean I'm just doing it for myself? You know, um, does kindness have to be selfless? And, you know, just in that kind of turns this into this pie analogy that we, you and I talk about. Um, I think this originated from you. I didn't come up with this, but kindness isn't pie. You know, um, somebody else, you know, being kind to somebody else doesn't, doesn't take away from the kindness within yourself. You're not giving kindness to somebody mm-hmm. else. You're, you're, you're acting kindness towards something else. You're embodying kindness towards something else or someone else. And, 
you know, the more you're kind to other people, you don't become more miserable for doing so. And if you do, I would ask you to let's let's have a conversation about <laughs> what that kindness represents. Um, and kindness can take a lot of forms. And uh, there are some some aspects of it that are just easy that don't require too much thought or math or anything like that. You know, if somebody needs help picking something up, you help them pick something up. If they hold the door for people, say, thank you, say, please say, you're welcome. Say, offer a smile. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do that are easy and free. Um, one of the most valuable things you can offer to somebody else's time. Uh-huh. That's, that's the ultimate expression of kindness is offering time to someone in, in my own personal uh-huh. math of that. Um, well, and I think, that is pie. Yeah, because that, uh, that's what I was going to say. It, it points to the other thing we talk about is that there's a lot of things that you and I talk about as not being pie. Kindness isn't pie. Love isn't pie. Love's not but pie. But time yeah. is. Time is pie. Time is. Because you can run out of it. And yeah, I think you're right. Like kindness, you can't run out of kindness because kindness doesn't cost you anything. Right. Right. Um, and, and I try to have this conversation with myself, especially when I'm in circumstances where it is not my first impulse to be kind, um, which I do run into those. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I really start to ask myself, well, what would it cost me, uh, to be kind right now? And the only cost usually is that I stop for a second focusing on myself. That's what that's what it costs in order to be kind. Yeah. And I think I think true kindness is kind to both parties. Um for cuz we we can think about things we could do to be kind to others. Ultimately, we I think it is fair to ask is this also kind to me mm-hmm. to do this? And sometimes the answer is this this other person would love it and they would get all this kind of great stuff out of them be super. But this doing so is not kind to me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where we can have conversations about like, no, and uh, sorry, I can't, uh, or, or things like that. I think true acts of kindness uh, to be not just engaged in, but to be sought mm-hmm. are ones where it's kind of both. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that can be, you know, the easy stuff. It's like, it's nothing to me. You're going to think it's great. Do it. You know, um, it's like there's, there's no. There's no cost to this. Right. Well, and I think that that also speaks to the fact that kindness doesn't always look like giving in. Giving people what they want isn't kindness. No, it's not. It's not. You know, and there are times welcome when... welcome to the holiday season, right? So... Yeah. <laughs> welcome to the season of gift giving. Go ahead. Yeah, Sharon. I was Sorry. just going to say, like, sometimes, like, you know, if somebody wants something from me, sometimes the kindest thing I can do is to actually not come through with it. Um, yeah, this is especially right. true when it comes to the idea of time. Like, if I really don't have the resources left in the day, you know, to give someone a call, and then I give them that call anyway, I am not going to approach that call with kindness. No. You're coming at it from the point of view of a tank that's empty. Yeah, and so sometimes the most kind thing I can do is to not inflict myself upon the world yeah yeah <laughs> we could work on the phrasing of that a little bit but you know so, <laughs> sure sure you know. sure yeah but i mean not begrudge the world my existence you know well but i mean there are versions of sherry that are not like 
that are not made for public, right? She just, and that's part of the glory of being alone sometimes is that I don't have to be anybody except for exactly who I am in that moment, right? Right, 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 And so, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm not always suitable for public consumption. Right, and the kind thing to do in those cases that you were talking about, where somebody wants to have a have a chat with you, or it it, it might come out like I'm going to do the kindest thing I can. Let's talk tomorrow. Yeah, uh, because uh, this I would it would be great if this was kind to me as well, and right now it can't be. So um, I'd love to talk to you. Looking forward to it. Let's do it tomorrow after I get a nice meal and a good night's sleep. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I sort of interjected with this, Hey folks, welcome to the gift giving season. Here we are mm-hmm. right in second half of coming up on the second half of December. This is a time where often we express our thankfulness and kindness and gratitude to others with the purchasing of stuff. Uh, overwhelmingly, I think stuff that people don't actually sort of need, mm-hmm. personal opinions aside, and we give that to them as an expression of something. Um, and, and I think, you know, a, a lot of it is you do that because it's what's done and you have this expectation that you put on yourself. There's an expectation that other people put on you. The worst thing that I can imagine is receiving a holiday card from somebody and I didn't think to send them one first or something. It's like, oh my God, you know, can I come out with something really quick and get this to them before, you know, the the date of, of import here just so they don't think that I, you know, my God, these things have to be balanced, right? So all this kind of wonkadonk stuff starts going through a little bit trying to negotiate what it means to be in a holiday season. We're gift giving, you know, as a presumed act of gratitude or kindness or something is if not um, the most important thing about it as it's been interpreted over the years um, since the, uh, since the or <laughs> invention of the postal service um, or, or wrapping paper, something that is, customarily part of it for for many people this whole notion of this whole giving of gifts and there's like a there are opportunities to do so birthdays christmas season uh valentine's day you know we was like i'm gonna give you this thing and um sometimes i mean you see these these pictures at least we used to back when you used to go out and do things in large groups of black friday sales the day after thanksgiving where it's like the walmart was a riot of angry people getting into fist fights trying to get that one thing to send to this one person to show them how much they love them you know i'm so kind and loving to you i'm gonna get in a fight with this other person who wants the same thing oh my god what a nightmare so uh (laughs) Kindness is is a funny thing, mm-hmm. and um, when we think about what the kind things are, you know, we can just totally get away from this notion of giving person a people a thing, and we can get back into this. How do I want to live my life on this earth in a kind way? And what is the most kind thing that I can do for someone? And buying something for them is rarely the answer. I think, mm-hmm. um, rarely the answer because that does not do. I think what a lot of people think that it does. Well. Okay, so I'm sitting over here, like, resisting the urge to literally throw up because, um, I don't know, I think the whole idea, everything about gift giving um, makes me incredibly anxious. And so, like, I, so for the last two minutes, I've sat over here listening to Paul and trying not to throw up just because. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. When I, when I was speaking, I was like, Sherry's going through something. I think I waited into some water here. That, yeah, uh, that's okay, though. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think... I don't think that I am the only person uh, in the world, or maybe even on this call, who has hang-ups about what gifts are and how they how they interact with our, our lives. Um, I do think that, you know, there's a reason that every year on Valentine's Day, my husband and I celebrate that by watching all of the Tarantino films. Yeah, right. Um, right. There is this resistance in me to what society tries to sell in terms of what we do um, to demonstrate connection. And I think that this is something that this that makes this season very difficult is there is this onus of gift giving, which shouldn't be an onus at all. Um, it should be an opportunity. Um, I've not really experienced this season in that way, so it's tricky right, for me. Right, right. Um, it, it, there's just a lot of hang up. Um, and so it makes me kind of want to step back and ask like, well, what's the point of gifts anyway? Right. Like, and I think what you're speaking to is like the, like sort of the hang up with gifts is we may have Harold back 42 episodes ago. Uh, we may have gotten yeah. to the point where we missed the point. Missed the point. Right, missing the point. Um, and so my husband and I are working on doing, you know, our holiday shopping uh, for the dear ones in our lives. Um, and we've had some conversations about how we're going about gift giving this year. And our gift giving is going to look a lot different than I think it normally has. Um just because of how we're approaching it. So, you know, some of what we're planning to do is to give to people that aren't necessarily the dear ones in our life, but are people who just, frankly, uh, may wish to do some gift giving in this world, but might not have the resources to do so. So we're doing a little bit of that business and that kind of gifting, making possible what wouldn't be otherwise possible that's the good stuff that's the good stuff right that's the good stuff right? yeah that's the good stuff um but i think what's really challenging for me um with gifts is trying to identify objects that can signify um the current standing of a human relationship that makes gifts very difficult it does. Um, and I have my own sort of notions around around that, about what is the most valuable thing that you can give someone, really. I've already you purchased know? your Christmas present, so be careful. Oh, Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> the one thing that I don't want is fill in the blank, right? And that's not going to be it. Um, um, <laughs> but, I mean, the, these things that are free. These things that are free, Shit. free I paid monetarily. Money for the yeah, yeah, free monetarily. Well, you might have something in the mail as well, Sherry. Um, <laughs> monetarily free stuff, you know, because ultimately, I think, and I don't want to spend any more time on this whole gift thing, just because it's such a weird, weird topic that gets its own day. Um, this this pressure to spend as much as possible, and, and the the notion that that's a meaningful thing, I think, is a trap that a lot of people have fallen into, and. You know, for me, the most meaningful things I can, I can, I can, I feel like I could give is time, time, 
my, my time to people, it's like, yeah, fire up a Zoom with whoever this is and, and let's just hang out and have some tea for an hour. I, I mean, I think that is so meaningful because it is pie. Um, that's, that's, that's an hour that you're going to spend and you're not going to get that hour back and you're going to do it with this. Um, and the hope is that both people will, will find that enjoyable and something that was worth doing. Um, other stuff, though, um, what, what what's out there? And you know, when I, you and I have talked about this before, we actually did an experiment on this, mm-hmm. Sherry, about a month or two ago, um, including somebody in the mundane details of your life. What did you have for dinner last night? You know? Um and I, I had someone say something to me within the last week or two that was was stated in a way that when it went through me, it, it felt strange. It was like, oh, that's interesting. Something's going on here with what this person kind of dismissively and casually said. Um, and it was about the pandemic and it was about how it's so hard to get to know people now. And it's it's a challenge to make new friends and it's a challenge to expand a social circle. Um, because how do you do that now since we're all isolated in our, in our places? And she said, "Man, ah, there's my family and that's great. And then there's you, but you're like my family. And then there's this other people, you know, and it's like, I already know them. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like an hour afterwards, I was like, something about what this person said is still just kind of going through and I don't know what it is. And it dawned on me like several hours later, it's like, oh my God, this person casually said that I was part of their family. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> you know? And it's like, do they, how did I, how did I take that? Why did it feel weird? How did they mean it? What did that mean? You know? Um, and it was this interesting thing. And uh, that, that sort of, that sort of worked that way. And, and I think that what I've seen, and you have this too, Sherry, you have these people in your life who we, we use the word adopted a lot, who either you have adopted as your own or that other, or, or you have been adopted into people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, for example. And, and I, 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 I trust it's likewise. And I think I have reason for thinking so, um, mm-hmm. where it's not even a conversation any longer that, you know, the people in our lives that we have that are in that category are there without negotiation or without the need for further conversation about whether or not they are. And those are the ones that we share what do you have for dinner last night? Hey, how you doing? What's going on? And um, and that that is the most meaningful stuff that I think we do have to offer. And it's a true act of kindness mm-hmm. to share those because it costs nothing. Nor is it pie, right? You know, but those are the those are the ties that hold communities together. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it is just. Yeah, I mean, what makes community is not gifts exchanged. It's not, um, you know, like earlier you mentioned, like the, you know, the ancestry tracking. It's not the blood relationships. Um, What makes community what it is, is the everyday. It is the mundane investment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the traditions, uh, the traditions that we that we hold, which is why this year has been particularly challenging. So, how do you be kind these days, and how does this tie into? Well, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Are you are you someone who um, is giving of their time? Is there somebody who's giving of their um, intention? 
are you someone who is is it a, is it an act of kindness to accept a compliment when offered? Um, when somebody you know wants to buy you dinner, there's an urge to resist, but it's also it it it's an opportunity to show kindness to the person by accepting that. You know, and that was a hard lesson for me to learn. It's like, hey, let me pick this up for you. Oh, no, no, no. I could never. Oh, please. Oh, no. And like you get in a fight with mm-hmm. the person who's trying to buy you a cup of coffee. You know, right. <laughs> it's like, this is not how this was supposed to go. No, there's two people who's pissed off at each other because, you know, I tried to offer a gift and you wouldn't take it. Or I tried to do something kind and it was rejected. Becomes the and look where we are war. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, the kind thing to do is accept kindness when offered. And what do you do with that? What do you do with that sensation that overwhelms and fills you after having that kindness done to you? Well, you pay it forward. You know, you you then do an act of kindness to others. Mm-hmm. You know, you let it flow through, not build up. And we trust the universe that if I'm acting in a way where kindness can flow through, where I don't just take it and sit on it or take it and try to live off of it or take it and try to feed it into an ego or a sense of self. Or arrogance or something like that. Um, if I'm going to let that kindness flow freely to me and then from out of me, um, then everybody gets some. And it, it's going to keep flowing through. And then what has tied that community together and that group together, or whoever that is, is the flowing of that kindness. And that's one of the more unbreakable bonds I think there can be. So who do you think you are? Hopefully, I'm a conduit. I'm a, I'm a vessel. I'm a pipe through which stuff can flow. Um, I don't want to hoard stuff. I also don't want to resist stuff. Um, and I don't know what we can do all the time to, you know, I keep getting these biology analogies in my head, Sherry, <laughs> right? So at the end of, in the lab, back when you used to do these things in person, I know that some people still do, you end up with these gunky test tubes. So you have this test tube scrubber <laughs> and you put some soap on it and you put it in the test tube and you scrub the test tube out to get all the gunk out so the people who come in after you can come in. And, you know, use those test tubes and get results that are free of contamination, right? Mm-hmm. It's an act of respect. It's an act of kindness. It's an act of you're going to get yelled at if you don't. Um, it's an act of all kinds those of things. Yeah. You know, but what are the practices that I do in my life that help me be a better pipe? Um, you get my scrub brush out and I sort of put it between my ears a little bit and I try to try to work on not the things that let me always accept kindness, although there is some of that. Um, but how do I how do I scrubby brush myself so that these things can flow through? Not realizing that I didn't invent kindness; it's been around, you know, uh, for a little bit now. Um, hey, uh, the golden rule, right, was invented about probably more times than just about any other any other rule out there by so many different cultures and so many different religions and spiritualities. Mm-hmm you know, in, in so many different places simultaneously or otherwise, you know, do unto others as you as have them do unto you. It seems like it works. You know, the, the you know, the Buddhist version of that in the Dhammapada is, um, you know, hate can't hate, can't conquer hate. Only love can conquer hate. That's, you know, this is one of those things 2,500 years ago, the last line of that, this is an ancient truth. Um, it's like, this was old 2,500 years ago. <laughs> you know, it was like only love conquers hate, by the way. Um, so, I mean, this notion that there is this um, greater than yourself kindness field that can flow if allowed to do so mm-hmm. is well established, I think, in a lot of, 
in a lot of places with a lot of peoples. And the work to do then is to not find ways to hoard it. Mm -hmm. um, it's how do I let this flow? How do I be someone who can let kindness enact with me, knowing that it's not my job to chase it. It's my job to accept it so it can flow through me and out of me to someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it speaks to the idea that hopefully as as we answer who do you think you are, hopefully there's an awareness in that that whoever we are, we are connected to the other people, right? Like, I mean, I think that's where like a conduit is no of no use if there's nothing to conduit to, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so whoever we are, we're not alone in this thing. Like, yeah. and the other people are the point. Yep. Right. Um, yep. So however we answer it, it, you know, I like the idea of trying to think of who you want to be, even if it's not who you think you are. Like, what do you want to be a conduit of? Yeah, what do you want to what do, what do you want to be the thing that flows? Because uh, that can be good stuff. That can be not so good stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, how do you recognize the difference between them? And to that, I would offer pay attention. How does it feel when it goes through you? You know, does it feel like gladness and joy? Does it feel like anger? Does it feel <laughs> what, what does it feel like when stuff flows through? Um, and when somebody offers you kindness, what do you do with that discomfort? that can come sometimes with that, I would say, yeah, hang on with, pay attention mm -hmm. and, you know, let that flow, you know, to the next person who can, who can then let that flow down the, down the line. Mm -hmm. um, there's this risk reward paradox with this, that um, it, it, the whole thing requires a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. I think that the universe is more than it is. And um, that's, trusting that kindness will come your way and the best thing that you can do i think to attract kindness is to be kind mm -hmm. to others you know and you know the universe spreads itself out into into places where there aren't a lot of stuff um it molecules chase the vacuum mm -hmm. so to speak and um by giving kindness to others you make more room for kindness to come into your own life um and Trust mm -hmm. that it will. Faith. Have faith that it will. Mm -hmm. Pay attention when it's offered. Um, pay attention to the opportunities for kindness to come into your life. And pay attention for opportunities for it to, it to flow out of you as well. Mm -hmm. So what am I saying here? Pay attention? Seems, seems the case. Pay attention is the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's also whatever we are, like, it's an, it's an active attention. Um, it's not just passively watching the world. I think the, I think that there's something important in terms of giving kindness. Like, if you want the world to be more kind, add more kindness to the world. Like, right? If you wish you yeah. had, if you wish more people were kind to you, contribute some kindness to the universe. Yeah, it can flow through. You can also generate it. Yeah. yeah. You know, throw in a little bit of a kicker. Squeeze a lime. Yeah. For sure. Mm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mercy. Indeed. I had no idea where that was going to go. Yeah, well, 42. 42. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, it has been a pleasure 
recording 42 podcast with you. It has, and it's been a pleasure recording season three mm-hmm. of this podcast with you. We've done a lot of interesting things in this time that it's taken us to record 42 podcasts. Yeah. And we have some other interesting things on the horizon. Yeah, we do. We got uh, a couple of things that we're working on, a couple of things that you might see popping up on the page in the near. There's one new thing that has popped up on the new. Pop it has. Page that um, if you're interested in doing a little self-exploration with some things that actually might contribute a little bit to kindness and paying attention. Um, I have heard... Dr. Spiegel, that a workshop is being offered, a six-week workshop is being offered. I have heard, I have seen it on our website, and I have seen that it starts on January the 31st. Starting on January 31st, six weeks of uh, this practice uh, that is referred to as uh, the Brahma Viharas, or the Divine Abodes. Um, We've talked about each one of these Quite often they come as a set. Usually um, they are old practices. Um, Patanjali talked about these in the Yoga Sutras. They they show up all over the place within contemplative practice. Um, metta, loving kindness. Karuna, mm-hmm. compassion. Mudita, sympathetic or empathetic joy in the successes of others. And the biggie, upika, uh, which is equanimity. So there's, we're going to spend six weeks talking about each one of those, doing a little practice on how to cultivate those four qualities within us. Um, The first week is just going to be a little bit of practice with developing a contemplative practice and what a meditation practice would look like. And then for each of the successive weeks, we'll knock out one of these Brahma Viharas, one of these divine abodes. And they're um, named thusly divine abodes, Brahma Viharas. Like what's so divine about these things? Um, Legend is that um, these are the traits, these are the qualities of the gods. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really want to see what divinity looks like, um, see what traits, cultivate the traits that divine beings bring to their lives and to their existence around them. It's this. How do you be, how do you be kind to someone and how do you see someone with con- kindness in a non-transactional way mm-hmm. that doesn't have anything to do with what they do, what they did, what they're offering you? It's kindness for its own sake how do you truly identify and see the suffering in the world around you in a way where you cannot always try to fix everything but you can just witness mm-hmm. the struggles of others how do you take joy in the successes and the joy of others even when they're people that you just hate who just don't deserve it and that was your job why did they get it how can we cultivate that joy in the in the wins and the successes mm-hmm. of others and the biggie right which is equanimity you know, how do you approach life knowing that you get both? Mm-hmm. You know, you get, you get, you get, you do get the first arrow yeah. and you do get happiness and kindness offered to you. And to live this life on earth fully and completely means uh, you get both. So um, it's a, I almost said it's a fun practice, but I don't know if that's true. It's a challenging practice. Um, and here's your opportunity um, to to work through all four and get and try to incorporate some new perspectives into your contemplative practice if you want to want to do so. Six weeks starting on um, January 31st. There's a weekly get together on Zoom. There's going to be some 
contemplative homework that you're you're going to do. Um, web page built out with instructions and guidelines for each day, probably an audio recording or two or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Sherry and I are working together to make that great. Yeah. So we'd love to see you there. It's going to be great. And um, some folks might hear concepts related to that, those four abodes that they may feel like might not be who they think they are in the world, but who they think they might like to be. Mm. So mm. there is that. There's um, that. Yeah. So cool. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. So um, head over to the website, check it out. Um, you can get you can click to on it, it through the shop. Yeah, you can get to it through the shop. And if you click on that, you can navigate to a page that talks a little bit more about it and uh, what the ask is going to be and what the offering is going to look like. Um, and we'd love to see you there. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Paul. Um, I will talk to you soon. Yes, you will. Thanks, everybody. Alrighty. Bye. Bye-bye. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry have a podcast, yes. Yes.